people are still going out for pinchos. They're still going to restaurants and everything a little bit different, but that's still going on strong. Something has changed, but not the essence. I'm Danny Vallant, and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. On Dirty Linen this fortnight, we are traveling all around the world. And today I am really thrilled to be in San Sebastian. Oh my goodness, I wish I could transport myself there with a blink of an eye. San Sebastian, Donostia in the Basque country in the north of Spain is honestly one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm talking to one of my favorite people in one of my favorite places. Her name is Noemi Lecube. I met her uh, thanks to a mutual friend, Jesse Gurner, a chef here in Melbourne, uh, who, when he knew I was going to San Sebastian, said, well, this is a person you have to meet. Noemi runs the Basque Way, a food tour company. She knows everything about what's good to eat and drink in that beautiful, tasty town and the whole region. So, Noemi, thank you so much for coming to have a chat to me today. Oh, no problems, Danny. I'm delighted to hear from you. And I actually have to tell you, you are, uh, you made San Sebastian's viral cheesecake uh, crazy now. So everybody who comes to San Sebastian, since you were there, and I remember your face the first time you tried it, I remember you rolling your eyes and I was like, oh my God, we created a monster. So now we have like lines and lines and lines of people from all over the world coming to La Vina to try the famous, <laughs> you know, I'm, seriously, we have to now reserve wow. to get a piece of cake. That did not happen before you, Are you were there. Serious? I'm super serious. If uh. I have a group of people that want to try that cheesecake, <laughs> which is everybody, I have to call the restaurant and tell them exactly what time I'm going to be there, which is very difficult on a pincho tour, and tell them how much cheesecake we're going to eat. So, yes. Wow. And the whole bar is full of tour guides now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I don't know what to say. What could I do but roll my eyes when I had my first bite of Basque cheesecake? And you are my, you forever will be an important person in my life for introducing me to that fluffy, creamy cloud of joy, Noemi. So, oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> definitely. And uh, at the moment in our lockdown number two in Melbourne, uh, where, you know, it's the hardest lockdown we've had, and hopefully this is as hard as it's going to get, Basque cheesecake. Cheesecake is definitely having a moment. So there are lots of um, cafes and restaurants who are making their versions and there are lots of people baking it at home. So, yeah, I, I always feel very connected to, to San Sebastian. Oh, that's great. And great. I definitely always feel connected to that cake um, <laughs> and, yeah, all the beautiful food there. Uh, so I guess you're, you're not really taking hordes of tourists to eat cheesecake this week, though, are you? Um, no, I'm not taking anyone anyone. See, all our, our main business, um, I joined a, I joined a company called Bass Tours and, uh, we do many things, a lot of food tours and, uh, our main clients are Americans, Australians, and Asians. And there is none there. There are none, nothing. So we have no work, which is actually a pity because the last few years have been great and they were just exciting times. We were doing new things. There was actually people coming from Asia and America, which their first time in Spain was San Sebastian. And that was huge for us because normally it's Barcelona, Sevilla, Madrid. And, you know, San Sebastian was right on the spot, the Basques, our food, everything, our culture. And now there's nothing. So, yeah, it's a bit of a downer. But um, 
I'm actually very positive that it's all going to come back. I mean, if you walk down the street today in San Sebastian, you think nothing has changed. Everybody's wearing a mask. Really? Yes, everybody's wearing a mask. Yeah. And but there's lots of people. The bars are filled, not so much inside because there, you know, there's a lot of restrictions, but outside everybody's walking around. You hear people laughing, kids are out playing. So there's like a good vibe. Yeah. But um, then the media is playing a really, really difficult uh, role for, for everybody. The media is, is, is scaring everybody, is scaring our tourists. So at the moment, we have a lot of a lot of Spanish tourists. <laughs> I know you must be saying, what do you mean? You are Spanish, but you know how we feel about that. Um, so we have many, many people from Barcelona, uh, Catalonia, and Madrid, and a lot of people from Europe. But um, they're getting scared. And uh, people from Europe, and now there's new restrictions from, from Germany, from, from Belgium. So as of August, probably we will have only mainland people. So, yeah, difficult and sad times. Although if you walk around San Sebastian, you'll see that like nothing has changed. <laughs> you said that the media's played a role in what you think is happening now. I mean, I know that Spain has been having what some people have called a second wave that cases have started to rise, although there haven't been, you know, the deaths and the hospital um, crises that there were back in March and April. But tell me what it's like from your perspective. What do you, what do you think is happening? I, I'm, well, the feeling, you know, the town, the feeling ha the people have is that they're being lied to, that, um, we're just, um, that elections have passed, that, um, they reassured a vote. And now afterwards, after letting us have a bit of a summer, they're scaring us again into, into being confined again. Um, there's many more restrictions coming as of tomorrow on Monday. They have been threatening this, telling us how we've had uh, a lot of uh, positive cases and that our people that are, are, are getting sick again. But actually, the doctors are coming out, the, um, the hospitals are coming out saying that they're okay, that there are positives, but that they're basically with no symptoms so that uh, they're at home. And then doctors are saying that if you don't have a symptom, it means you're not sick and that you can't not um, um, pass on COVID. So there's just a lot of misinformation. We actually do have a couple of cases in our town, a couple, um, very few, like 10. And there's actually one, uh, one uh, bar owner that, uh, is in the hospital. He's doing okay, but they actually told the whole family and their wife and to, to please not watch television, to not, to not read the papers or whatever, because they were going to get very scared of something that was not the reality. So that's kind of the, the, the feeling is that we're being lied to. We're, we're not understanding why all these restrictions, they're going to do even more restrictions now for bars and restaurants. And, but there's no restrictions of going back to school, going to work, um, getting on public transport. Yeah. All of the, can, um, new, um, COVID cases are supposedly in, in, um, family reunions. You know, so we're not really understanding this. So, yeah, it, it, people are not very happy. So restaurants and bars feel like they're being targeted with the new restrictions that are coming in. Yes. Right. And was there a demonstration against this? Yeah, there was a demonstration um, in San Sebastian, uh, the, the bar association in Hostelería. I don't know how you say that now in English. I can't remember. But so the bars and restaurants got together because they feel that the, they don't have enough help for the new restrictions. There are many bars that are dedicated to the nighttime 
that cannot open as of like 1.30, we have to close. And okay, 1.30 may sound a lot for some cultures, but in Spain, 1.30 is when the night is starting. <laughs> so if you can't go out, <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> at 1.30, I mean, you, if a bar is closing at 1.30, we may decide not even to go out, you know, because it's just not worth our, you know, the effort. So they were complaining as well. Oh my God. Yes, I know. Um, they were complaining that, you know, they, they can't open, they have no clients, but there's no help for them. Yeah. So there's no, no money coming in. So, and also many restaurants, oh, they're, they're being full. There's kind of like a, a double thing here because you're going to go out, you're going to see the whole, um, every bar in the old part of town reopened. We thought that they wouldn't. Um, every bar is having much more business that they thought they would. Yeah. It's a different kind of business because it's full of Spanish and European, which is not the same as an American or an Asian. Yeah. The relationship to money, how we spend and everything is not the same. So although they're full, they're probably not making not even half as much as last year. And at nighttime as well, the restaurants are not completely full because of this 12 o'clock or one o'clock closing time. For us, we start eating dinner at 10, 11, you know, we're having a sobremesa, you know, where we chat endless hours, you know, where we like to, at the end of a chat around two o'clock, go for the last gin tonic somewhere and that's not happening. So yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a many, many restrictions. You can't go up to the bar to ask. You can't be inside, um, many things like that. So people are, are are going out they're staying outside but they're not consuming a lot so there's kind of a double thing going on yeah what about the whole culture of pinchos like pinchos the the beautiful food on sticks the little snacks lined up along the bar um, for people to help themselves like what's the story with those they don't seem very COVID safe. But they are. <laughs> we have yeah um they had to cover them which is a big thing for us yeah, but still, people are going out for pinchos and enjoying. They're still, yeah, that you'll go out. If you just would walk around the places we were in San Sebastian, you'll see people outside. Everybody's wearing a mask, but there's people outside and everybody's enjoying food, maybe much less than before, but because the consumer, you know, the, the customer is different, you know, an American will go up to one bar and ask for three to four pinchos where a Spanish person will go for one. Yes. Because that's how we are, yeah. <laughs> okay, and because we're, we're stingy that way as well, you know. Well, I think also it's that the Spanish person knows that they're going to be out for six or seven hours, where the American is just like in bed by eleven. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, not when they come to San Sebastian, they're not. <laughs> but yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. So, but that's still going on. I mean, people are still going out for pinchos. They're still going to restaurants and everything. A little bit different, but that's still going on strong. Yeah. That's nothing has changed. Well, nothing. Something has changed, but not the essence. So that's a good thing because we thought we thought we had to become French suddenly, and all the Spanish people were going crazy. You know, eating at seven. You know, we we were very scared that we would have to have dinner at seven. You know, oh my God, what are we going to do? The thought of becoming French. I know. What could be worse? Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean. In a way, like if I could be the only Australian in San Sebastian and everyone else was um, was a local, that sounds really great. Yeah, that's what every Spanish person thought. But I think that's like the whole we have a joke going on. Well, you know us Basque and in Catalonia, you know, you know the problem that is there. Yeah. So we thought like everywhere in Spain is totally empty of tourists. Yeah. Everybody's going to Galicia empty. 
on their way to Portugal, empty, Sevilla, empty, you know, Madrid, super empty. Yes, everybody's in the Basque country. I think we have like this joke going, like everybody came here to get us infected so we can die. <laughs> but no, everybody's here. All of Spain is here. I think they thought, oh my God, there'd be no tourists. Oh my God, we can get like great prices. Let's go. And everybody is here having a great time. Well, in, 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 in the way that we can, you know, it's much more during the day. Yeah. 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 It's much more outside. It's a little bit different, but everybody's here. It's true. So that's, that's the situation. Tell me, I mean, tell everyone about San Sebastian and about the Basque country. Give us a little 101 on, on the Basque country because, yeah, I love it. Um, but um, not everyone has gone and had their cheesecake epiphany at La Vigna. So for people who haven't, haven't been there, give us, give us a little introduction. You should really come back, not, not just because you love San Sebastian, and go back to La Vigna and not have the cheesecake cheesecake because they have amazing anchovies there i had the hilda you have the hilda yes yes yes. yeah you, you did that yeah yeah but they have amazing anchovies there that nobody tries and they do like awesome food and everything is like the cheesecake now so i'm like she has to come back and do a whole thing about let's discover you know the best place for anchovies in in the basque country sure i'm ready to I'm ready to start another craze. That's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> you should. But I don't know what to tell but, you about the yeah. Basque country. We're, we are a little bit different. We're in the north. And, um, we are the Germans from Spain, um, I guess. Many people think we're very Germanic. We love work. And uh, we play hard. Uh, you know, we work hard as well. I, I, I don't know really what, what I could say. Um, for somebody that um, has never been here, it's different. It, there's another vibe. It's, um, I don't know, there's a very strong um, Basque feeling, you know, we're so proud of ourselves and our food, you know, and we show love through food. We're very tough and rough. Yeah, but our love goes through food. So we would stuff you to death, you know, and you would have to say you'd like it. <laughs> That's kind of the Basque thing here, you know, we'll take you to all the best places, but you'd have to eat everything, you know. And, um, what can I say? We have it all. We have like mountain Basque highlands. We have the beach. Not a lot of people know this is a beach and a surf destination. They think we just eat pinchos all day, which is not true exactly. Yeah, it's not true. We love our pinchos and having good food, but we are very into um, sitting down, having like very local, I would say maybe simple food. Yeah. You know, our I don't know, chickpeas with our bacalao or... You know, our stews, our marmitaco, which I love, which I think is the best, uh, the best plate here, which not a lot of people know about it, which is the tuna stew that we do in August right now. It's tuna season. I have right now, my whole fridge is, uh, we bought a whole tuna and we just, you know, we sat at home one evening and we just boiled it. We canned it. We have some in the freezer and that's going to be our summer dish. Yeah, we we do the marmitaco. Wow. Yes. So marmitaco, is that the fish soup that was traditionally that's the that's the very simple stew that the fishermen would make for themselves on the boat after they caught the tuna? Is that that's the marmitaco? Yeah, marmitaco comes from the white tuna. It's a little bit different, you know, from a red tuna. It's a little bit smaller and has ventresca, which would be in the um kind of like the breast area. Yeah, it's kind of juicy. So in August, it's very typical that like, well, my husband is a carpenter and the other day in an Airbnb, two girls from Madrid lost their key and they couldn't get in. So the owner calls the owner somewhere on holiday 
calls my husband, says, you got to go to the next town and open the door. He did. So we got a whole tuna as a present. Yes, that's very typical here still. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So he comes home. I'm like, what'd you get? And he's like, I got a whole tuna. This is way better than money for us. You know, I'm like, are you serious? Yes. So anyways, that's, uh, yeah, we, the fishermen, when they would go out for tuna, they would have to bring potatoes and onions and things like that, you know, that would last a little bit. So while they were fishing, so they would be putting a big kettle on top of the boat. And while they were fishing, one tuna would go into the pot and that's how they would make the stew. Yeah, that's, that would be it. And that's what we have. That's what we actually bring to the beach when it's really hot a big, like a very hot steaming stew of tuna. And that's what we would eat. You know, everybody has melon and, and you know, watermelon or something like that. No, not like, don't, don't. that's, that's. that's <laughs> but it's so funny. It's like, you'd say, you're saying that, Hey, we're not all about food. We love the beach as well. But when we go to the beach, we bring a big pot of fish stew. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know that's, I mean, yeah, the things we do is all like revolving around food. Yeah. But we do do other things. We hike and then so we could do co-eating. Yeah. It's just a big excuse just around food. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, when you hike, then, then you, then you sort of hike past a little goat cheese farm and then you go in and you have some cheese and so, yeah. So sure you're hiking, but you're probably hiking to some food, right? Yes, exactly. There is like, yeah, everything revolves around that. Yeah. And like, you know, we get kids to go hiking and we, you know, we're doing all the sport things, but there's always like the carrot in front of the bunny. Like if we do this, you're going to get the croquetas from that bar. Our kids know exactly what pincho to have in what bar. Yeah. They just don't go up to any bar. Oh, wow. and have like the No, yes, yes. Normally kids here, if, if you ask them like, so what do you want? They're like, oh, you could be at another bar. And they're like, I want the croquetas from that bar. So you give them the two euros and they run up to that bar and they'll ask for the croquetas from that bar. Because maybe where we're having a wine, the octopus is really good, but the croquetas, well, they're good, but the other ones are better. So yes. Well, anyways, if you know anything about our wow. yeah, croquetas is what we would ask for. If there's a new place opening up, there's have been, there has been a, a couple of new places in the old part of town post-COVID opening up. So what we do is we go there and we ask them for their speciality and they'll be like, oh, we do ravioli. We're like, great, give us some croquetas. <laughs> you know? And they're like, why croquetas? We always ask for croquetas because that is like something our mothers would make. Yeah. And if, if they would do that well, then we know they have a good kitchen. That's it. We base, like, a, we judge. Ah, uh, so it's your control dish. Yes. We judge a new place on a very old recipe. And if they do that well, then we know that's okay. If they would give us something like that, they would wow. buy, like, frozen or from the local butcher, then no, no, it's a no-go. <laughs> but we would never say that to their face. We'll be like, oh, it's excellent. And then we'll walk outside and tell everybody that the croquetas are not good. And then everybody will know not to go there. <laughs> wow, it's very fierce. Uh, so, Noemi, there's some really, I mean, we've talked a lot about the Pinchos Bars and that amazing street culture in San Sebastian, but it's also a town that's renowned for its Michelin star restaurant. So, Arzac is there, Muguritz is just down the road. Tell me how those restaurants are going because I think they rely so much on internationals coming along. Well, yes, that is true. I'm not really sure how Arzac and uh, Medasategui and all of them are doing. I know they're open. I know they're working. 
I know they probably have the restrictions as well as having so many people um, dining or or um, having lunch. I know um, Cococha, for example, is a one Michelin starred restaurant in the old part of town that we really, really like. Um, from Danny Garcia as the chef, and they're, they're excellent. And they were very scared. They couldn't open up as uh, many of these places didn't open up when they could. You know, they 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 were looking at how they could, you know, um, how could they pay salaries? How could everybody go back to work? And actually, Cococha uh, thought about um, having a special menu, you know, a bit more low cost than the normal menu, although he's not very expensive. He has one Michelin star and I think he has a great price quality. So you could be eating there for like 80, 90 euros for like a tasting menu or, you know, maximum 110 or something like that. Um, and they made a special menu. And actually what happened is that they're full. They have another type of customer, not Spanish. They would say maybe out of the whole evening, maybe two tables are Spanish and the rest of European, a lot of German, a lot of Danes, Belgium, um, things like that, uh, from Holland as well. And they're full and nobody's asking for that special menu. They're all asking for the tasting menu. So that's a good, that's good news. That's really, really good news. They were surprised and they're working much more than they thought they would. Yeah. I'm sure they're making much less than last year, but they're working. The big fear was that they would have to close because they, they rent. And when you rent in San Sebastian, <laughs> it's amazing. Like half the salary or half of your income is going to the rent in the, in the old part of town. And has there been any assistance from the government? Um, for No, that's one of their main issues as well. Like uh, bars and restaurants are not getting any help. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And freelancers are not getting a lot of help either. No. So there's no help with anyone's wages. There's no help with rent. There's Yes, there's. There, yes. Um, I'm not sure with, I think they had some help with rent. And they had some help with wages. Um, we're in ERTE, which is um, like uh, if your company was hit by, you know, by COVID in a, in a special way, like we are, like having no no customers, then uh, the government is paying for our wages. Yeah. But the thing is, when they reopened, if you would put somebody back, um, you know, if you were you're getting your team back, you had no more help, but you have half the customers or no customers. So, yeah, that's one of the big complaints as well. That's tough. Yeah, very, very tough. But um, Cococha has, you know, I don't know if they have the whole team back again, but they have the majority of the team back again, and they are filling the venue. They have 32 seats. They, ha they are allowed to fill 27, which is quite good. Um, I imagine for other places that are bigger, it's tougher. Yeah. Um, but um, they, they, they're doing, I mean, well in these circumstances. I don't know how long they can, you know, support that, you know, because our, our fear at the moment was I was very optimistic for 2021. But um, seeing how things are going that, you know, the government keeps on, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the school situation. I don't know. I don't know. We were very optimistic about 2021 as international travel was going to come back. I'm not so optimistic anymore that it's going to be 2021. It might be further down the road. I, I don't know because, you know, they're, you know, they're scaring people. They're telling Spain is in a really bad situation and it's not that bad. I mean, that's the big thing that we're like, why are they doing this? You know, why they, they keep on, you know, the media keeps on just speaking of fear and more and more. I, I don't know. 
we really don't know. So mm. that's, yeah. You know, they had, it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, uh, you know, New Zealand, they had four cases in Auckland, the capital of New Zealand last week, and they shut the whole city down. So I guess, you know, there's different policy responses. Uh, I suppose every, yeah, there's no, there's no playbook for this really. Yeah, we just, we don't understand how like, you know, they could be shutting down one thing, but school has to be open, all kids are going to go, or that we can go to work, but we can't go and have a drink. And, you know, there's just a lot of things like that, you know, in Spain that you're like, what, what's going on? So we don't understand. We, I understand that if there's cases that they have to shut down, we understand that we understand we're wearing all masks, we're doing everything we have, you know, I think in Europe, we're like Spain is um, has the hardest restrictions, but our government keeps on saying we have many cases when that's not really actually when we're reading like, you know, the, the true numbers, it's like, what, what are they saying? You know? So that's the thing. That's kind of like the, the feeling at the moment, like what's going on? What's the story? Do you think that you can change your business to cater to European tourists or do you need to wait until those tourists can, can come back again from Asia, from Australia, from the US? Yeah, we're, we're, um, we decided to wait. We decided to wait because like all our strategy, our tours, everything is very focused for the American, for the international traveler, yes? And also European travelers are quite different. You know, they do a lot of things on their own. They're much more independent. We're much more nearby. They, uh, they, don't, they don't seem to care for services that much, yeah? So we, we decided to wait. We know our customer. We know he's going to come back. We just don't know when. That's the difficult part, yeah? It's just the waiting, not knowing when, and seeing how things goes, yeah. We think they're going to come back. and that- Yeah, they will come back. But just, yeah, I guess we just don't know when. I guess it's different if you're coming from Australia, for example, you go to San Sebastian, maybe it's the only time you'll go there. You really want that definitive experience, don't you? Whereas if you're coming from Madrid or Barcelona or um, from Berlin or whatever, then it's just like it's your weekend in San Sebastian. Maybe you'll have another weekend in San Sebastian in six months. So Yeah, you have a long weekend. Yes, definitely, definitely, yeah. And because they're in Europe, they feel more secure. They know their way around. Um, they just don't rely so much on services. Yeah. So maybe like an American, Australian are much more prone to pay for something that, um, that they know they're going to get the max out of. Right? The European traveler is not so much like that. And the Spanish traveler is no way like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest complaint at the moment is the Spanish traveler. All the hotels are complaining and <laughs> they're like, ah, we can't handle the Spanish people. Really? What are they? What are what are the hotel people saying? Well, you know, they're canceling last minute. Then they'll call last minute. They're looking for five rooms. They hear the price. Oh no, we want two rooms. And then they're like, "Do we get anything with this?" You know, the Spanish. We Spanish people love an offer. Yes, and we think we think we're smarter than anybody else. Yeah. So when we um, you know, we talk with our friends and they're like, oh, we're going, you know, I don't know, we're going to Portugal. We got a good, really good deal, a thousand euros for all of this. And we're like, a thousand euros? Are you kidding me? I got the same for three hundred, you know? And we're like, we're like that, you know. We're terrible customers, you know. So, you know, we'll see an offer, you know, oh, there's a tour. Oh, it costs, you know, 30 euros with a pincho. Take off the pincho. And they're like, oh, it's 30 euros still. And they're like, really? You know, so yeah. 
It's just different. We're very, very different when we, we consume and what we think is fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, everybody now is going crazy because people are Spanish. <laughs> so yeah, you got to laugh. So, okay. I'm, I'm coming and I'm going to spend whatever you tell me it costs. So tell me where you're going to take me, Noemi. Build me, build me my beautiful Basque tour on the spot right now and let me salivate over what I'm going to eat and drink. Oh, I, well, I definitely, okay, first we would see San Sebastian, but then I would definitely take you to these little beat towns. You were here, you were in Motrico, in that little town where I come from. I would take you to all these little towns and take you to those off the beaten, you know, like grandma style little bars where you're going to get, you know, oh, my cousin just went out fishing and he got the squid because the squid, uh, like the fish is amazing this year. I think, you know, everywhere, like the wildlife and all the animals have been free for the last six months. So they're amazing at the moment. Uh, really, I know now we're killing them. It's great. Um, so I would take you to the, uh, I would take you inland. I would really take you inland to see the mountains and all these like little deep places where we're going to get that cheese to make that, uh, Vina cheesecake, which is, you know, they say it's Philadelphia. I, I saw that what you wrote, but, um, I think it's more like the Idiazava cheese, but, um, I would take you to, yeah, I would take you to Ondaribi to get the squid. I would take you inland for the Idiazaba cheese. I would take you to Orio to get the besugo. I don't know how you call besugo, a monkfish or, or, um, I, um, I, I would skip Getaria. I know Getaria, everybody loves Getaria and they have those great restaurants, but I'm, I'm going to skip it. <laughs> I'm going to skip it this time with you and take you really deep, deep down under where, you know, and everything is like only like 30 minutes away from San Sebastian. We would go to the markets to San Juan de Luz. Yeah. I would take you to the French Bass side to the markets because the markets there are amazing. Yeah. But then I would take you to eat down on our plate. Yeah. Um, San Sebastian, always a must. <laughs> I cannot take you, but I wouldn't let you eat the cheesecake. I would take you to do the best anchovies in town. Yeah, well, anchovies, you know how we love anchovies. And um, yeah, that's what we would do, that we would just get into the kitchens of all these little dark little places where Mari Carmen, Julian, and everybody would still welcome you and sit down at the table to try the tomato. Because the tomato, you have to try the tomato with the tuna now at the moment, yeah? I would take it to places like this. Yeah. Okay. So I I feel like I'm going to need like nine days or like nine years. Yeah. No, come every year. <laughs> and, come every year for nine days. Okay, every year. <laughs> and what um what time do I have to get up in the morning and what time am I allowed to finally go to sleep at night? Um, getting up, it depends what you want to do, but getting up in the morning, I mean, we are, um, a lot of people think we're very Spanishy and that we get up very, very late. That's not really true for the Basque. We are the Germans. Yeah. We love getting up early and going for, we do our sports in the morning. So then we can dedicate, you know, a lot of time to eating and drinking with friends There, we did, uh, we do love Spain for their siesta. So we've taken that from them. So there's always a little time for siesta. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to hand it to them. What, what a magnificent, you know, invention. Um, so we do take time for siesta. And then at nighttime, we're not that, that late here in the north. Yeah. But I mean, around 1.32 after a couple of gin tonics, three in the morning, that's, that's perfect. You know, a stroll in La Concha Bay at one o'clock in the morning when there's nobody out. That's magnificent. There's nothing yeah. that, there's nothing like that. Okay. 
I mean, I feel very stuck in Melbourne or I have for the rest of the weekend. But now that I'm talking to you, I feel my wings growing and you've transported me to the beautiful Basque country. Thank you so much, Noemi, for letting us into your life for this chat and for making me so excited about all the food I'm going to eat when I see you again. Oh, I would love to see you again. Yeah. So I hope our, our paths cross again. And I'll take you to all those places. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Un beso grande, grande. Yes. Un beso grande, grande for you as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Noemi. Okay. Goodbye, Danny. Bye. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>